Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, and it is a privilege to be able to share the pulpit for Trent while he's gone. And uh, thank you for having me here. We're very happy to be with you. I don't know if you're like me at all, but just this past week I was meeting with a client and he was just kind of mumbling and shaking his head and saying, is this the kind of world I'm really growing up in? You know, maybe you become deeply concerned about where we are as a nation. If the COVID virus hasn't been scary enough, perhaps you, like me, find yourself a bit cynical about our government and nervous how to lead in a culture that stands ready to criticize our words and actions. Today, the violence, the property damage, and even deaths might leave you wondering if Jesus can wait just one more day to return. I want you to know I understand your concern. But let's hold to what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Rome. From the message paraphrase, we read, So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger. Not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. And yet none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, Today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Will you please take a moment to pray for me? Now, my fathers, we come and we just humbly continue to worship we now come to this time of understanding your word and sharing your word lord i pray for wisdom and understanding i pray that you will not let us harden our hearts or close our ears 
but that will listen well to what your spirit has to say. And I humbly pray, Holy Spirit, you have all the rights and all the permission to use me for the kingdom of God. May your words be spoken here. This I pray in your name. Amen. Well, one of the best things I ever did on a Sunday morning, I mean as a senior pastor, was that every Thursday morning I would set aside two hours to go visit the senior adults in my congregation. And in visiting with them, I would learn all kinds of interesting things. In fact, in visiting one couple, I learned that on the very, that coming Sunday, they had intended to go to church, they were intending to go to church, and they were going to celebrate their 70th wedding anniversary that day. Yeah, I was like, wow, you know, my wife's shaking her head, not going to happen, honey. And so, as a senior pastor, a new senior pastor, I thought, this would be a great opportunity to celebrate that moment with them. So I stood before the church, and I said that this couple is here, and they're celebrating their 70th anniversary with us today. And everybody applauded and were kind, and I took that next brave moment of saying, do you mind coming up here so we can acknowledge you? And they stood there. And then I turned to his wife, and I said, uh, do you have anything, any words of wisdom for us rookies in marriage? And uh, his wife turned to, to him and, and said, you are tried and true. Now her voice was weak. She's elderly. And the husband, who probably heard was near loud machinery too long in his life, couldn't hear her. So he goes, Huh? And so she takes, and with all her energy, she says, you are tried and true. To which the husband replied rather loudly, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> yeah, you could say the message went sharply downhill for the rest of that day. Now, the title of my message may seem like an odd title. For the title of my message is Red Rover. And maybe you as a child played this centuries-old game. Maybe um, you see, I did some research on this game, Red Rover, and I discovered that it's been played since the 18th century. So for over 170 years, children have been chanting, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Johnny right over, right? With the arms swinging. Yeah, maybe that's your world too. And of course... Um, the task was for them to break through that impenetrable wall. Have you ever wondered where the name for this game came from? According to Wikipedia, Rover is the uh, Norwegian name for pirate. So perhaps the early British were showing bravery by daring the Viking raiders to come over. And there's an 1829 book titled The Red Rover, A Tale, by James Fenimore Cooper, who describes the exploits of a pirate called Red Rover. Now, one of the variations to this game is called British Bulldog 1-2-3. It's a great game to play with students, but that's another story for another time. Now, for some reason, your childhood 
has been robbed of playing this game. Just real briefly, I want to explain how it works. You see, you, you get equal groups of people, and you've set them 20, 30, 40 feet apart, and they hold hands together, and one of the one side will chant, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Trudy right over, and my wife would run over there with all 90 pounds of herself and try to break through the line. Yeah, not going to happen, really. takes fat guys like me to win that game. Um, and if you break through, then you get to take somebody back. But if you fail to, you stay there. And eventually one side builds, um, I say builds to be stronger than the other and wins the game. The key task is to build an impenetrable wall. Now our scripture text this morning is found in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second, equally important, love your neighbors to yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these commandments. Now I believe that those of us gathered here today understand that first commandment. The task of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind is to love Him with passion, intimacy, and commitment as the key ingredients. However, today I want to spend our time with us considering the second commandment that Jesus sets forth. Jesus tells us that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. It is from this scripture that we come up with that golden rule, right? Do unto others as we want them to do unto you. By the way, that's not found in scripture. If our culture could simply live by this golden rule, shouldn't we all be able to get along? And wouldn't this just leave Jesus smiling? You know, in some ways, it sounds so easy. And yet I would like to suggest that Jesus set a standard that has become difficult for you and I to follow today. You see, living in a culture where rugged American individualism is celebrated, and then you mix in a healthy dose of fear from a, a crazy, dangerous, contagious virus and angry people. And we find ourselves building more and more walls around our family and our church to keep us safe. This is seen as we hear angry voices tell us that the church is more known for what we're against than what we're for. And please know I get this. Because good walls make us feel safe and secure. Sheltering in place meant that our security was found in the walls of our home. And even today, as we try to just figure out how far am I supposed to stand from the next, away from the next person in the grocery line, we have built more walls and become a lot more fearful today. And so for today, I want us to look at some of those things that have caused these walls and how to begin to tear them back down. Now, I would like to suggest that it's pretty simple for us to discover why loving our neighbor is so difficult. Jesus said that we are to love others as we love ourselves. Almost immediately, this becomes a huge hurdle for many of us in this room today. All we have to do is take a brief look at society and discover that we're not doing a very good job of loving ourselves. And you see, this shows up in ways when we value those who seem to have the right look and yet live very shallow lives. Those who carry enough influence that they change the way we look so we look like them. 
This is most evident in how the current generation buys things. You see, if you're of that much more mature age, when you bought a pair of Levi's, you bought them for value, that they would last long. Today's generation buys them for their image. Do you remember the, the nursery fable, Snow White, in which the evil queen would look into the mirror and she would say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, some of you are quoting me. Who's the fairest of them all, of us all? Yet today, I don't believe that we are too terribly excited in looking in such a mirror and asking who is the fairest of them all. Because we know it really isn't us. In all honesty, I would go so far as to say that our first enemy to love is ourselves. Listen to this quote from E.E. E. Cummings. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best day and night to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never start fighting. There's a great book that was written by a man named Father Brennan Manning. And it's a powerful story about this man. And he talks about um, the one who continues to attack him to make him feel like he's less than who he is. A friend of mine joined Father Brennan Manning uh, in writing, rewriting that book. Jim Hancock wrote Posers, Fakes, and Wannabes. And he talks about the way that the evil one tries to tell us that our value isn't worth anything. But I want to remind you today. Today, you are Abba's child. You are saved by grace, loved by an extravagant, romantic God. Do you believe this? Are you still wondering and asking the question, how can the God of the universe who put all this together love me? You see, this absence of self-love is perhaps the reason for all the big walls we tend to build around us. And it's a roadblock to loving others because if you don't love yourself, then what kind of love will you reflect to your neighbors? I have a pastor friend who loves to remind me, I receive the love I perceive. Let me say that again. I receive the love I perceive. If your love is measured in performance then your love towards your neighbors will look more like a measured love that looks more like catch-up-and-keep-up love of, instead of just simply loving others because I'm passionately loved by God and I'm passionately in love with Him. You see, one of the greatest dangers we have in not loving ourselves is that it shows up in our closest relationships first. If your marriage reflects in how well you love your spouse, you see, when your self-image is da damaged, you will find yourself spending a lot of time seeking to make the playing field more level, even if it means hurting the very ones you love, which seems absolutely crazy because I have no doubt there isn't anyone um, in this room who is a parent who wouldn't run in front of a speeding bus for our child, right? Well, maybe not so much for a teenager. No, no, we won't say that. I know as a parent, you sacrifice every day for your children. Whether it be through your wallet, your time, or your sanity, 
You love your children. But you see, when we don't love ourselves, we tend to raise a bar higher and higher for our children. And our love begins to be measured by performance. And the very thing you hate, you end up doing to your family. So we have to ask the question, how do I break this cycle of self-hate and turn it into self-love? And I'm going to suggest there are three things you can do. The first thing you can do is go to Scripture, remember whose you are. Look at God's Word. You see in Psalm 139, we read, God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I am an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I, say this, before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you are there. Then up ahead and you are there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you are there. If I go underground, you are there. If I flew on morning wings to the far western horizon, you would find me in a minute. You're already there, waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immense in the light. In fact, darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shape me from inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul I marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. You see, what the scripture teaches us is that you have been knit together, put together by the God of the universe. You have his thumbprint on your life. And we see this value in our biblical story. It starts in Genesis when God creates man and he says, this is good. It says nothing about him going and saying, oops, messed this one up. Let me try again. Oh, that one's a mess. I'm going to leave that one alone. Maybe next time I'll get a little bit luckier. No, when he created humankind, he said, this is good. But then it even gets better because he goes on to say, and when he creates husband and wife together, he marks it with a very good. And then he's done creating. You notice he doesn't keep going and saying, I think I can do a little bit better. He says, no, this is very good. I'm done. Remember whose you are. A second thing is to accept what you can't change. Now I'm wearing pants today because A, you don't want to look at me in shorts, but B, because I have these really fat calves. In fact, they're so fat that when I was in grade school at Mountain View Elementary, the teacher would look and say, wow, that kid has really fat calves. And I always won the fat calves contest in the school. <laughs> and you know what? That isn't going to change. I'm pretty confident 
that when I die, my toes are going to be sticking out of the casket because of my fat calves. <laughs> and I can't change that. And you know what? That's okay because I don't need to. I can walk through life this way. It's how I was made. Another thing you can do is you can change what you can. And I'm not talking about going to the plastic surgeon. I'm not talking about trying to lose a few more of those pounds that seem to come right back. What I'm talking about is that some of us need to change our negative approach that we have towards life. Some of us need to let our gossiping ways come to an end. And some of us simply need to quit being so mean. Listen to how Jim and Brennan in their book, they write, Brennan and I have agreed to tell the poser to mind his own business where we set the record straight on a few things because we're sick of being posers, fakes, and wannabes. And more than anything, we want to live like what we most truly are, Ava's children. You see, it is when you're realizing and acting that you're God's favorite that you can begin to break down the walls that we build to keep people out of our life and out of our church and possibly even our community. It takes us back to what the Apostle Paul writes. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. No virus, no angry mob, not even those who talk to us, talk mean to us and do mean things. So let's not live in fear. So how is the church supposed to act in such a time as this? We are to act by moving back to loving God in a passionate, intimate way. And loving ourselves in such a way that we can go out into our community without fear. You see, when you live in such a way that you authentically believe that God loves you right where you are, then you're calm in the midst of the storm. And then that will be attractive to others. Your joy will become contagious. Isn't that the way we all want to live? You know, I'm reminded of a scripture that if you're a football fan, just a few more weeks, hang in there. We're going to make it, right? If you're a football fan, you're used to seeing a big banner in the end zone that says John 3.16. And if you've been raised in the church at all, you've heard the scripture read over and over again. But let me remind you of that verse. But not only that, but a couple verses around it. For God so loved the world, loved the world so much, that he gave his only son, so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no eternal doom awaiting those who trust in him to save him, save them. But those who do not trust him in him have already been tried and condemned for not believing in the only son of God their sentence is based on this fact that the light from heaven came into this world but they loved darkness more than light for their deeds were evil you see here's the truth that self hate that low self esteem those wounds that you're carrying around that's keeping you not only from loving your neighbor but actually from loving God as well so please hear these words and accept them. Jesus loves you. 
pause and rest in those words again. Jesus loves you. Maybe you, like me, remember that song that you sang in Vacation Bible School. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, <laughs> but he is strong. One of the most favorite things I get to do four days a week is I get to drive my granddaughter, my only grandchild, to daycare. And every time we drive to daycare, I do my absolute best to sing that song. I don't know if she tolerates me now that she's five. But I want her to know this. I want her to know that Jesus loves her. See, I know. I've lived on this planet long enough to know that as a child, as a teenager, as the journey continues, there's going to be a lot of hurts and a lot of wounds that are going to come into her life. Some storms she won't be sure she can get through. And I just want her to know that no matter what comes, Jesus loves her. And nothing can separate her from that love. You see, for me personally, there was actually a time in ministry where I was wrestling with that understanding of God's love. I was my first years in youth ministry, and I was busy trying to outperform God. You see, I always thought that if I did this certain thing, that God would have to smile. If I had more than 20 teens to Bible study, he'd have to smile. And when those 20 teens wouldn't show up, I'd turn it on myself and I'd push myself to do even more. And I begin to push so hard that I begin to hate what I was doing. There's no joy in it. There was just trying to perform enough that I, in such a way that I thought that somehow God's going to have to love me because I'm doing all the right things. Then one day, the unspeakable thing happened. Uh, we were, I was in my office and got the phone call, and a parent called and said, please pray. We can't find our daughter. We all turned out. Neighbors turned out. We searched neighborhoods inside and out all day into the night. And then the word came. Her life had been tragically taken from her. She had come to the church only about a year earlier. She got all fired up about this thing called Jesus Loves Me. She knew that Jesus loved her. And out of that contagious love for God, she had talked to her parents about the need for Jesus in their life. And they had become faith saved. And the family had become saved. It was a, an amazing story of a little girl in her short time on the planet. What she did in the name of Jesus. I'm trying to wrestle with just how God works in such a mess like this. And I go to the funeral service. And the closing song is Jesus Loves Me. And as I sang that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I found myself at such a place. 
of saying, you know what, God, I'm done being a fake. I'm done trying to impress you. I recognize you love me just the way I am. Fat calves and all, right? And it transformed that day for me. And I want to believe with all my heart that that girl and her testimony and that song that we sang, Jesus Loves Me, transformed so many others. I pray you'll never face such tragedies. But you and I know there are plenty of storms in life. And in the midst of such storms, I want you to remember that song. In fact, in a moment, I'm going to ask that you sing that song. And it's my hope that as you sing this song, you are reminded that God loves you. We are the little ones to to whom we belong, to him who we belong. We are weak, but thank God he is strong. This week, should the road get bumpy, will you promise me you'll sing that song to yourself? When things look great, will you promise me you'll sing that song to yourself? Because Jesus does love you. He created you. It's okay. You can love God, yourself, and others, including your enemies. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.